Hello there. And welcome to a brand new episode of my podcast, Podcast Racing. Wow, it is already the end of the year. Uh, tomorrow it's going to be 2022, and honestly, I can't believe it. Uh, just a few months ago, it felt like 2021 was just starting, but already it's the end of the year, and now uh, I want to reflect in today's podcast episode. I want to reflect on this year overall for film and television and talk about my favorite moments from my top 15, to be exact, favorite moments from 2021 movies and TV. Now, before we get started, a couple of quick things. One, this will be the last episode where I'm ever by myself on a podcast. Uh, I, From now on, every time there'll be a new podcast episode out, it will be with other people. I am tired of being by myself on a podcast, so this will be the last ever uh, podcast episode that I will do. A uh, second quick thing that I want to share is that I might do a spoiler review, uh, whether that be on the podcast or my YouTube channel, I'm not sure yet. I might do a spoiler review for both Hawkeye and Spider-Man No Way Home. Originally, I wasn't going to because, I mean, there really isn't that much to say about Hawkeye. And with Spider-Man No Way Home, what basically everybody else on the internet has said about this movie are basically my thoughts as well for the most part. So I felt like I didn't really have anything new to contribute to that conversation, but I don't know, maybe I will. I, I did really enjoy uh, most of Hawkeye, and I did enjoy overall Spider-Man No Way Home. So I don't know, maybe I'll do a spoiler review on both of those later on. And the last thing is that uh, before I share my top 15 moments, from film and TV of this year, I actually teared up or cried quite a bit this year uh, watching various movies and shows, and I just want to share not necessarily honorable mentions, but just a list of moments where I actually teared up or was straight on like bawling watching something this year, and I guess an honorable mention to the honorable mentions is when the Boss Baby family business, when it ended. Honestly, I'm only half joking here, but I really did not like that movie at all. Both Boss Baby movies are absolutely horrendous and terrible. And when it ended, I actually was so relieved that I got really emotional. And I'm pretty sure some tears fell down my eyes. I was just so happy that this awful movie was over. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I'm honestly only half joking there, but, but let's get serious now. So, in Amphibia, which is actually a good animated property from this year, uh, season two, uh, oh, by the way, spoilers, so, uh, I'll be sharing down in the description below, uh, spoilers for, uh, I won't be sharing the exact moments, but I'll be sharing the titles of various movies and shows I'm going to be spoiling. So, uh, in Amphibia Season 2, at the very end, that uh, final battle with our human and frog friends and versus King Andreas was pretty cool. But then Marcy getting stabbed, I really wasn't expecting at all, and I actually got really emotional watching that, because even though we had just met Marcy during Season 2, I actually we grew to really like her. Come on, come on. Basically the entire film, it's so far my favorite film of the year, 
And no, I'm pretty sure it is going to be my favorite film of the year. Oh, and another thing is that in the description below, I'm going to be sharing a list of all of the movies and shows I've seen this year overall, ranked from worst to best. So feel free to check that out in the description below. But come on, come on, it's my favorite film of the year. And I was just so emotional watching that masterpiece. A film that's not a lot of people, uh, I at least I know personally, have even heard of. Uh, Derek Delgado's In and of Itself, which is, I guess, a documentary? It's basically just Frank Oz, uh, who, yes, that Frank Oz, Yoda, and Miss Piggy. He filmed uh, magician Derek Delgado kind of doing a, both a magic show and also sort of a testimony on his life. And... Just the very story, several of the very stories they shared, like, are really sad and, you know, really got to me. I, going back to animation, I love Infinity Train, and season four was actually my favorite. And no, it's not because the protagonists are Asians, I'm not that biased, but I don't know. Just even though it's not the most overtly entertaining or exciting of the seasons, it is the most character-driven and complex, in my opinion. And just seeing them at the end, uh, the two main characters, Ryan and Mingi, being friends again and performing again just really got to me. At the end of Mare of East Town, when Mare finally confronted her past demons and went up into the attic, that really got to me as well. The Mitchells vs. the Machines has the best end credits of all time with all the pictures of the cast and crew with their families and... I, I got really emotional. Uh, my eyes definitely uh, welled up watching that. Uh, no Time to Die. I mean, if you've seen it, you know James Bond, how James Bond uh, died and, you know, his farewell. It was just, it was really, to me, it was really, like, appropriate and touching. And I get, you know, why some people might not like that. But personally, I really did. Squid Game. Everybody cried, or at least got really sad watching the show. Like, I mean, Ali definitely deserved better. Sebok deserved better for sure. And yeah, it was <laughs> it, it was really sad, but a really good show. Uh, Suicide Squad was absolutely phenomenal. And at the end, when Ratcatcher 2, I cannot believe that a scene with a girl who controls rats sending hundreds of thousands or probably just hundreds of rats to kill a giant starfish is actually like a really emotionally powerful moment that fulfills Ratcatcher's arc, fulfills her character arc really well. Like I cannot believe <laughs> that a scene like as ridiculous as that is actually like really emotionally powerful and uh has good character development in it like wow <laughs> uh the violet evergarden movie a lot of fans of the original manga did not like this movie i've never read the original manga never even heard of it before hearing about the show and i've enjoyed the show and i enjoyed the movie and everybody everybody cried when Eurus called his uh, friend and then died. A lot of death. <laughs> a lot of, uh, you're gonna see that in common with the, uh, this honorable mention list. A lot of death. Uh, in WandaVision, speaking of death, uh, when Wa after, uh, shortly after Vision died and Wanda just cannot move on, and then she goes to Westview to see the house that 
vision like a property a vision bought for her and then she just breaks down and in her anguish and grief she traps the town of westview i thought that that was a very emotionally powerful moment and it did get me a little bit and this will definitely be a controversial opinion but i think that elizabeth olsen's performance in wandavision is literally the best acting from any of the actors in the Marvel Universe. Like, the Marvel Universe has some really great actors, like Paul Bettany, Robert Downey Jr., Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista even, and Bradley Cooper, but Elizabeth Olsen delivered the best performance of any actor in the show overall. I, I sincerely think that. Uh, I didn't love Zack Snyder's director's cut of Justice League as much as a lot of other people did. A lot of people were really looking forward to this, and I was just like, eh, I don't know. I wasn't even originally going to watch it, but then I decided to check it out because I had HBO, and I was like, yeah, it was decent. It was cool. But I really liked when Cyborg helped that waitress. Yeah, it is definitely very emotionally manipulative. You know, he only included that. Like, it's not, like, the best way to show that that you know to build up a character is just you know and it is kind of cliche to show you know like cyborg or just this type of character in general who's like so broken himself that he feels like he has to help other people i don't know it, it was cliched but it was still touching it was it was nice uh the ending of judas and black the black messiah was heartbreaking when just that massacre like the police you know uh the raid on Fred Hampton's place and the betrayal by uh, William O'Neill and the police just uh, coldly and and happily from their perspective just killing shooting Fred was just heartbreaking to watch and uh, Dominique Fishback's acting in that the that scene was just powerful uh, Supernova was a pretty good movie uh kind of forgettable overall but you know it was pretty good extremely well acted especially that towards the end when colin firth and stanley tucci have that argument at dinner where like stanley tucci is just talking about giving up and colin firth just gets really mad at him i i really liked that a lot and yeah those are the moments from movies and shows in 2021 where I got really, really especially emotional or like teared up and cried. Of course, I did get emotional watching other shows and movies too, but these are the moments that particularly stuck out to me. And now I'm going to be sharing my favorite TV moments first. Um, TV from 2021 moments that just uh, I, I really appreciated or really loved or were really effective to me not all these moments are moments where i got emotional and cried but these are all moments that just all right i guess i did get emotional in a different sense but anyway so i'm going to be sharing my top 15 favorite tv moments first and then movies and starting off love victor season two was extremely disappointing not bad but i really loved the first season a lot even though it did have those like teen cliches uh teen you know high school drama cliches and unfortunately they did kind of double down on both the cliche and the cliche both the cliches and the kind of messy like tone I mean, the first, even though I loved the first uh, season a lot, it did kind of have a odd, like, pacing, uh, I, uh, 
tonal shift sometimes. Like sometimes it'd be really like happy and it suddenly get really sad. And it's just like like be a little bit more consistent here, or at least it needs to feel more cohesive. And the tone was especially off. The tonal shifts were especially off in season two. But one moment that I really liked from Love Victor season two was. Uh, when uh, Isabel, Victor's mom, decides to leave the church because she's tired of how the pastors keep telling Victor's uh, younger brother that, oh, yeah, Victor's is going to go to hell. And then she leaves, and then the pastor or the high priest says, don't abandon God. And I really like that Isabel says, I'm not abandoning God, I'm abandoning you. And I really love that a lot. You know, I feel like a lot of churches... A lot, of, a lot of pastors and just authority figures in general, you know, have this holier-than-thou kind of mentality, and you know that can really like mess with their like mess with their perspective on life and stuff. And they can feel like you know they're like the only the only and true representation of God, which is absolutely just horrible mindset to have. And I really like that Isabel, you know, kind of wakes him up a little bit and you know and you know she's not like a, she's not going against god necessarily but she's going against an institution that is disobeying god because you know god is all about uh loving your neighbor as yourself and even though homosexuality is a sin you should still uh treat you know your uh your homosexual like friends or acquaintances or associates as fellow brothers and sisters in christ that's absolutely what you should do if you really want to be a true representation of God on earth. And that priest was definitely not that at all. And I'm glad that Isabel acknowledged that finally and left the church. And I, she's definitely going to join church again later on. Uh, so, but I really uh, like that. that. That might even become a plot point. I hope, kind of hope it doesn't, but I have a feeling that it will become a plot point later on where, you know, she rejoins church and Victor doesn't feel comfortable with that. But anyway, but Love Victor season two overall was just very disappointing. But that one, one moment was one of the few really good moments from that season. Another disappointing show to me was Reservation Dogs. I just, I was just quite bored throughout the show. It wasn't that funny. And honestly, like, half the characters were just really boring. One of the characters, though, that I really did like, despite his limited screen time, was Daniel. You know, they kept hyping up Daniel as this, you know, like, really, like, cool guy who is sort of the glue of this, like, group of friends. And in the flashbacks that they show of him, that is, they, they, it is, that's exactly right. Yeah, you can really see, like, how much his friends, like, really cared about him. And the scene in the forest where Daniel, like his sister and his dad are, you know, hunting deer and Daniel just, you know, he's clearly dealing with some mental health issues and he just suddenly has this like freak out in the forest and it's a, it was a really dark and powerful moment and I really liked when the show got dark, uh, which, uh, which to me personally wasn't as often as I wished. Like, I, I get it's a comedy show, but I don't know. I just wish that there were more moments like that in the show. And another show that is from Disney, yeah, all of these uh, shows are, well, Love, Victor, and Reservation Dogs are from Hulu and FX, which are now owned by Disney, but directly on Disney Plus was Star Wars The Bad Batch, which I did enjoy overall, but I was disappointed by some uh, major aspects of the show, like Omega, I really didn't like Omega at all. 
But I really did like when Cad Bane kidnapped her, and then Fennec Shand tried to not rescue her, but, you know, take her away from Cad Bane so that, you know, she could, you know, give her back to the Camonians, I think, or, or maybe it was the Camonians that hired Cad Bane, but I don't know. Basically, Cad Bane and Fennec Shand had that fight, and that was really cool. That was uh, one of my favorite moments from the show, along with uh, Crosshair saving Omega at the end, and I, I really liked that fight a lot. And uh, I also really liked on Disney Plus in the Mysterious Bandit Society, Tony Hale's performance was really good. Like, I'm shocked. Like, I mean, he was great in Beep and Arrested Development, but he wasn't exactly delivering the performance of a lifetime. But honestly, like in the Mysterious Bandit Society, as flawed as that show is, I kept watching mainly because of Tony Hale. He was so good like he really cared about this material like dang like i know nothing about the original books and i have no idea how old they are or whatever but you know seeing that tony hale not only played the two kind of leads in this show and was a producer but i mean maybe he grew up with these books maybe they're from his childhood and he really cared about doing them justice and he did an absolutely great job and when the two brothers reunited at the end that was actually a really good confrontation. I thought that initially, I thought that in the show, you know, they wouldn't meet face to face again, or when they did, it would be really cheesy. But no, it was actually a really good scene where the evil twin brother reminisces about how the good twin brother really tried to help this guy at the orphanage talent show that they were in, and the guy, thanks to the help of the uh, the good twin brother actually ends up giving the worst, most embarrassing performance of his life, and it really just shows just how far down into darkness the evil twin brother has gone. And I really liked that scene a lot. And I liked how, for a Disney show, it actually got quite dark and serious at times, uh, without being too, you know, violent or anything like that. And uh, going back to Infinity Train. Again, season four was my favorite, and I especially loved when they were in the art gallery train, and there's that, like, mysterious shadow figure who, you know, brings out their, like, fears, their anger, their anxieties, and then, you know, basically it sort of prompts them to, uh, to, like, argue and to bring up all these, like, deep, dark feelings that they haven't really addressed inside, and it just, the monster forces them to bring it all out to the surface, and I really liked that a lot. And uh, going back also to another HBO uh, Max property, Mayor of Easttown, the shootout in that uh, Creeper's house that uh, he's keeping the, uh, the two girls in, where Evan Peters unfortunately dies. Uh, that was a really cool moment, and... I really liked the show overall, but that moment specifically was probably my favorite, like, the, mo the most exciting, definitely, moment in the whole show. Uh, Amphibia, I already mentioned that uh, Marcy, you know, getting stabbed was a really big, like, shocking moment to me, and it really, like, affected me emotionally, and it is my favorite moment from Amphibia Season 2. And uh, in Hawkeye... Again, I don't know if I'm going to do a spoiler review of Hawkeye or not, but if I do, then it will be with other people. But my favorite moment in Hawkeye was when uh, Clint loses his uh, hearing aid and he can't, and his son calls him, his youngest son, 
calls him, and his uh, and he can't hear. But uh, Kate in the room with him helps do you know like helps like she writes down what the son is saying, and it's really sad when the son says that. Oh, uh, it's okay, Daddy, if you're not home for Christmas. That that really got me. It didn't make me quite as emotional, or I, I definitely didn't cry like the other moments that I mentioned earlier, but it still really got me. I was like, oh, man. And I already mentioned uh, in WandaVision when, um, what's it called? When Wanda trapped Westview, Westview, sorry, Westview, Westview, and... You know, that was a very powerful moment, and Elizabeth Olsen was giving her, in my opinion, the best performance from any actor in a Marvel movie for sure. Uh, my sixth favorite moment in all of TV in 2021 was, I know I'm not supposed to support or like or cheer for moments like this because I am a Christian, but, and you know, I do acknowledge that while homosexuality is a sin, I still got really happy when in the Owl House, Luz and Amity got together. Like, they had really good chemistry, and they're really likable together, and they deserve happiness. Like, come on, man. <laughs> no, but I really liked when they got together in the Owl House, and uh, I, I, I think that, and I like that uh, it was all thanks to Hootie, who is the funniest character in the show, and absolutely amazing. And I, I think that that's my... It's be thanks to him that they get together, essentially. Him screw, him thinking that he screwed up, but then it actually works for the better. And I think that this show is probably my favorite show from Disney. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Actually, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's Loki. Loki's my favorite show from Disney this year. But, well, that's Marvel. If we're talking just straight Disney, I think Owl House is... The best, uh, or at least season two is better, is like the best from 2021 specifically. I think Amphibia season one is better than Owl House season one, but Owl House season two is better than Amphibia season two. But it's like really close. My fifth favorite TV moment of this year is when Johnny and Daniel fight Kreese in the Cobra Kai dojo. I really liked season three a lot. It's easily the weakest season of the entire show, but I still really enjoyed it, and I'm really looking forward to watching uh, season four, which I think comes out today, and I really liked how Johnny and Daniel fighting Kreese is paralleled with uh, fl flashbacks of Kreese in Vietnam, uh, you know, killing off his uh, superior, and essentially we're seeing the birth of Kreese coincide with him almost be able to take down Johnny and Daniel with surprising ease like dang like he's he's a lot older but is still able to take them down like almost like right away and which is really scary and yeah my favorite just uh disney plus property in general this year is loki i loved how different it felt and i love just that character in general and at the end when loki and sylvie meet kang and there's that moment where they're able to they're able to uh, get out of like that multiverse path, and Kang genuinely no longer knows what's going to happen next. And I re and I really like that pause. You know, rarely do we get like slow like pauses like that in like 
creeping, like zooming in into the with the camera into an actor's face. Like we don't really get moments like that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the fact that we finally got one like this that actually like genuinely surprised me was great. Like I really, I really love Loki a lot, and I really did enjoy What If. Not all the episodes worked for me, but the episode that worked for a lot of people, including myself, was a Doctor Strange one. And at the end, when uh, Doctor Strange begs the Watcher for help, and the Watcher insists they cannot interfere, I just, I really liked that moment a lot. And it was also another surprising moment, something that I didn't think I would ever see in a Marvel property ever, a scene like that. And I, I really enjoyed that moment a lot. And uh, another animated show from this year, Invincible. Invincible, the turning point of the whole show was the plot twist in episode one when it's revealed that Omni-Man is actually evil. And he just completely demolishes... I can't remember that group's name, but essentially the Justice League ripoff team, basically. He basically just brutally murders all of them and just beats them all to like a bloody hope to their bloody demise and it was appropriate i think that they revealed this moment like really early in the show i i feel like if they uh, and it made watching the rest of the show like really intense and engaging actually and i really liked that a lot and yeah and i also really loved at the end of the show when omni-man almost like kills mark but he can't go through it but my favorite moment in the whole show was a, a key moment in the entire show. This, this, this is the moment that could make or break the show, and it definitely like it made it for me, was uh, Omni-Man's betrayal, that plot twist with him. But my favorite moment in all of TV of this year was just uh, Squid Game Episode 6. Just Episode 6 in general was just so brilliantly written, and I do have some problems with Squid Game, especially in the finale, but just episode 6 is, like, genuinely, like, masterfully written and acted, and, like, every, you can tell that everybody on set for this, making this episode, like, really committed and really cared to showing off these, like, you know, the complex thoughts that these characters are having and, you know, the, comp the interesting moral dilemmas that's brought up and all that stuff, and, of course having our hearts ripped out and our hearts shattered and just all these just all these tragic and awful things that's happening <laughs> just as we're how uh, we're just as we're helplessly watching uh behind our uh tv screens or phones episode six was just great i'm 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 just blabbering nonsense on right now <laughs> i'm just saying nonsense right now but i just i really loved episode six a lot it was Really well written, well directed, wonderfully acted, and I bawled my eyes out several times watching this show. And that's it for my favorite TV moments. Now let's move on onto my favorite movie moments. I mentioned before a sort of documentary live taping slash live taping kind of. It's this isn't really a movie exactly, but for purposes of this list, I'm just gonna count it. Uh, Derek Delgado is a relatively well-known magician, and Frank Oz of Muppets and Star Wars fame directed this 
live taping of one of his shows uh, in and of itself, where he has this kind of motif where he has this like golden brick, and then he is able to make it disappear. And after the, the audience has been on this really emotional journey, they go, they leave the the not the uh, stadium, I guess the building or whatever where Derek had his show in, they leave and then they're actually able to find the golden brick out on the street like Derek said it would be. And I thought that that was really cool and a great way to end the the taping of the show. Uh, the, the, this movie, I guess. And yeah, that's my 15th favorite moment in all of uh, film in 2021. And uh, 14, Encanto... I, 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 no, I'm not necessarily going to say that this movie surprised me. I mean, in, in some ways it did. I was already looking forward to it, and I was expecting to at least like it, but I, I, and I, I was expecting to like it, but at the same time, I'm surprised that I liked it this much. Like, I really, really enjoyed this movie a lot, and I was really surprised by uh, how the movie doesn't really have a traditional villain. I mean, I guess you could say that Grandma was the villain, in her own story, but that's not really appropriate to say either. She was just a really flawed individual, and I really like the flashback uh, of her, you know, losing her husband and, you know, just having to, uh, for a second, raise these three children on her own, and she's terrified of that, but then the magic comes to help her, and that's accompanied by the wonderful song from Carlos... Reyes, I think that's the artist's name, but Dos Origuitas, which is a song that uh, is going to be nominated everywhere, basically. Oscars, it was nominated the Golden Globes, Critics' Choice Awards, all that stuff. It's a really good song. Uh, I thought that after uh, watching a movie, I thought that the Colombia Mi Encanto song would be nominated, but Dos Origuitas, I'm glad that that's going to be nominated, because basically all the songs in Encanto were great honestly like there isn't a single bad or just okay song in the whole movie but my favorite scene in Encanto is the Dos Origuitas song uh number 13 I really loved Spencer a lot uh Kristen Stewart if she does not win the Oscar for best actress then I will be upset like I haven't seen Isa Tamu Faye yet and I'm sure that Chastain is great but Jessica, I'm sorry if she wins and Kristen doesn't. I'm going to be so upset. This will be another Renee Zellweger, Scarlett Johansson situation all over again. And Spencer, I really loved this weird, artsy, different kind of movie. And I especially loved how at the end, Diana is finally like free. She leaves the estate and the royalty, uh, the kingdom with her two kids, and they all drive away singing along to All I Need is a Miracle, and I really like that moment a lot. And uh, speaking of singing, Tick, Tick, Boom. I really, I was, this was also a movie that, just like Encanto, is, had, was heavily, like, had basically heavy creative involvement from Lin-Manuel Miranda. He wrote all the songs and had story credit on Encanto, and in Tick, Tick, Boom, he directed it. And Tick, Tick, Boom was another movie that I was looking forward to seeing, and I knew that I would like, but I didn't think that I'd like this much. And my favorite moment in Tick, Tick, Boom, and my 12th favorite moment overall, was when he presents to the 
producers, musical producers, basically, his musical, and then he has that song that he wrote, like, the night before, and Vanessa Hudgens is singing it, and it's his song for Susan, and then you can also see Alexander Shipp singing it as well, it cuts between Hudgens and Shipp, and they both do a really great job, and it's a really powerful and satisfying moment for uh, Jonathan in the movie, and yeah, I really like that song, and what it represents in terms of story a lot. And uh, continuing on this theme of singing, in West Side Story, the best moment to me and the best acted moment, both with story and acting, is when Ariana DeBose as Anita is singing A Boy Like That, and at the same time, Rachel Zegler is singing I Have a Love, and basically, Maria is basically seeing about how, like, she's, she, she's basically admitting that she's blindly in love with Tony, but, you know, she, she feels like she deserves this love, but Anita, you know, is singing, like, trying to sing, they're trying to sing over each other, and Anita is singing, you know, to remind Maria that Tony killed her love, Bernardo, who is also Maria's brother, and, yeah, Maria is being a bit, you know, ridiculous and just too blindly in love. But, you know, the moment is just really, like, powerful. And the musical composition is really great. And the acting is really great and singing and all that stuff. But, no, it's just a really good moment. And my 10th favorite moment is one that I mentioned already was the awful, tragic ending at the end of Judas and the Black Messiah. That's my 10th uh, favorite moment, movie moment in 2021. And my ninth favorite moment is also one that I mentioned earlier, was when Cyborg uh, helps the waitress. Again, definitely for sure very emotionally manipulative and not a super great way to write uh, your character it should just you know like is that have a broken character oh but he has a heart of gold you know it's 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 cliched and but i don't know just it still worked for me a lot of people i have a friend well not a lot of people but i have a friend who was really looking forward to the green knight just like i was and she really did not like the ending and how much it changed from the original story I have no emotional attachment to the original story like she does, so I actually really liked the different stuff that they did with this movie, and I really liked how, at the end, it's, you know, essentially just, like, a vision that Gawain has, and then he finally, like, does the right thing, and the Green Knight decides to spare him, and then he says, now, off with your head, which is, you know, kind of clever wordplay, like, oh, you can go off now with your head intact, and, um, and instead of that... I'm not going, I'm going to let you live and do that instead of, you know, like chopping off your head. And I really like that wordplay. I really liked in Dune, just that whole movie was great. It basically met my sky-high expectations, Denis Villeneuve, I love you. <laughs> but I loved when the worm rose for the first time, and... Timothy Chalamet ingests some spice, and he has yet another vision. Well, this time while awake. It's not a dream this time. This is like the first time he has a vision while awake, I think. Yeah, yeah. And the worm is rising, and then Josh Brolin has to rescue him, and they have to rescue all those people on the spice harvesting machine. 
and uh, I, I thought it was really cool. The effects were great, and of course, Hans Zimmer blasting epic operatic score. If he does not win his second Oscar for best score, I will, like, no, really. Like, I know people say, like, oh, Hans Zimmer should have won, or Hans Zimmer should win, but no, seriously. He really, he needs to win. There is no other score than Dune that deserves the Oscar. There are some great scores this year from composers like Johnny Greenwood, but, and Alejandro Desplat, Desplat, I think, I don't know how you pronounce it, but Hans Zimmer's score for Dune best of the year and best score that i've heard in a while in general and a uh, suicide squad uh i think this is my sixth favorite yes yeah, sixth favorite mo movie moment in 2021 i mentioned already rad catcher 2 redeeming her father and john murphy's uh pretty good score not like a, he didn't his score wasn't amazing but it was pretty good of and accompanying Ratcatcher, sending all the rats to kill Starro, and but and yet it's actually a really emotional moment, and we're all taking it seriously. I mean, come on! Like James Gunn did such a phenomenal job with this movie, and he really tugged at our heartstrings with uh, John Murphy's accompanying score, and just seeing uh, Ratcatcher tear up, uh, thinking, you know, Father, I have finally redeemed you. My fifth favorite moment was the ending of, is the ending of Come On, Come On, when Jesse finally answers uh, the question, you know, like Johnny, throughout the movie, Johnny is, you know, filming this documentary, and he keeps asking these kids, like, what they think of the future, and then Jesse answers questions at the end, and his answer is really, like, heartwarming, and of course, you know, it is kind of emotionally manipulative, the scene being accompanied by Claire DeLune, but... I mean, Claire Deleuze is always going to spark emotion out of me, and it does, you know, work in the context of the scene, and I just, I love this movie overall, and I think that uh, any of you listening, if you have not even heard of, or if you're somewhat interested in watching this movie, then I think that you should, and it's a great ending to a great movie. Speaking of great endings, Spider-Man No Way Home. I really loved the ending to this movie. I love how... Basically, Peter loses everything, and but he has a chance to win back something, to keep something good in his uh, from his previous life, still in his new life. You know, everybody's forgotten by, about him at this point, thanks to Doctor Strange's spell. And then he's about to tell MJ, "I love you," and she says, "No, just don't don't say it yet. Just wait until the next time you see me." And then the next time he sees her in the coffee shop. He realizes that she's better off. Basically, it's a repeat of the original Spider-Man where Tobey Maguire realizes that Kirsten Dunst is better off without him. And that's the same thing here, but it really works in the context of the movie. And it's a really great fan service moment that I don't see a lot of people acknowledging as fan service. Like, it is fan service, you know, just copying a moment from a previous film, but it works in the context of this film. I really like that Tom Holland is like, he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I love you. He just lets MJ and Ned forget about him because he knows that they'll be better off without him. And then he goes and, you know, goes into the apartment that's probably the same apartment as Toby's in the original Spider-Man 2. And then he makes that, uh, he makes that really cheap looking, but still cool looking Spider-Man costume. 
And then he, you know, goes off to, you know, be who he is meant to be, Spider-Man. And I really like the ending to Spider-Man No Way Home a lot, even if the fan, even if the overall movie did have a bit too much fan service for me. Speaking of endings, though, basically, spo I guess spoilers, but the next, all the, the top five, my favorite moments in movies in 2021 are going to be endings of movies. I personally, of course, you know, a movie has to begin well, but it personally irks me a lot more when a movie ends poorly. Like, a movie has to, like, really stick the landing in order for me to really acknowledge the movie for its strengths more than its flaws, or to really love it, or to consider it a classic. My third favorite moment in movie moment in 2021 is one that I mentioned already, you know, that uh, appropriate, in my opinion, farewell to Bond. His uh, death was you know, like, very emotional and tasteful, in my opinion, and I cried. <laughs> Nightmare Alley, I think, it's not Guillermo del Toro's best movie, but I do think that it is the best ending to any of his movies ever. Like, Guillermo del Toro's movies in general do actually have really great endings, but this one especially is so poetic and tragic. You know, him... Bradley Cooper becoming the very thing that he was kind of, along with Willem Dafoe, mis misusing and abusing. You know, he becomes that, he becomes, uh, you know, like a man who's like so broken and just has nothing at this point that he becomes that, uh, like those other like drunk men, you know, probably gonna live in a cage and, you know, be forced to do really grotesque and uh, awful things for people's enjoyment. And uh, Bradley Cooper just breaking at the end, and at first he's laughing, but then he's crying, and that cut to black was just, oh, amazing. And originally, my favorite movie moment from 2021, I had a bit lower, like, it was still in my top 10, I think, but then I had a bit lower, but honestly, the more I think about this moment, the more I love it, and this moment is coming from a movie that I've seen the most out of every movie that I've seen this year. The Mitchells vs. The Machines is not my favorite movie of 2021, but it is a movie that I have seen the most. And it's not just because it's the one where I have the most access to it. It is on Netflix, and, you know, my family is Netflix, and a lot of these other movies are on streaming services or on, you know, just not a, as easily accessible to me. But it's not just because Mitchells vs. The Machines is the most easily accessible to me to re-watch but it's also because I just genuinely love this movie so much and I discover something new about it every time I see it and appreciate something new about it every time I see it. And I love how appropriate the final battle is of this movie with father and son, Katie and Rick, going together uh, with the rope, you know, fighting all the robots, uh, singing along to Live Your Life, which is what they were singing, which is what they sang when uh, she was a little girl earlier. You know, when they, in early in the movie, when, when I watched this movie for the first time, when they, you know, played uh, the Live Your Life, you know, flashback on videotape, I, I knew, I had a feeling that that song would come up later in the movie, but I didn't think that they'd be actually singing along to it. Like, I figured that, you know, when, Rick is watching the videotape of him and Katie's little girl singing along to live your life. I figured, oh yeah, this song is too famous to be just, you know, here in this movie just once. They're gonna play it again 
uh, as you know, Katie and Rick are have reconciled and are finding robots together, and that's exactly what happens. But the one thing aspect of the scene that I didn't predict is that they would actually be singing along to it, and that made the scene even better in my opinion. And of course, the um, the mother acting like Linda Hamilton and just being so brutal against killing these robots, hilariously brutal in my opinion. But yeah, live your life. The live your life scene in Mitchell's vs. Machines is my favorite moment, not just in a movie, but in any media property in all of 21. I just, I love that movie so much, and I, if any of you guys, just many of the majority of the movies on that I've mentioned in this uh, podcast episode, if you have not seen it, please, please watch it. Like, seriously, there, there were actually... This is actually a pretty decent year for movies and television. Of course, you know, like some of the shows I mentioned earlier, even if I liked individual moments from those shows, the overall shows disappointed me. And there were definitely some movies, mainly from Marvel this year, that just disappointed me. But overall, I'm pretty satisfied with what came out this year. And I'm looking forward to... uh, Later uh, today, you know, starting Cobra Kai and uh, tomorrow or, you know, I tomorrow or sometime this weekend, I'll also watch A Lost Daughter with Olivia Coleman and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Looking forward to seeing that. And uh, yeah, and in the comments below, I already told you guys that I have a list of all the shows and movies I've seen this year ranked from uh, worst to best. And I also want to know what are your favorite moments from a movie or a show from uh, 2021. I bet that most of the comments, if any, are just going to be like, oh, and you know who showed up in Spider-Man, oh, I mean, and yes, yes, I was happy to see you know who as well, but but if there's anything else, then please share that in the uh, comment section down below, and yeah, I think that that will uh, wrap things up for now. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of my podcast, Podcast Racing. Uh, because the, I want to no longer be by myself on a podcast, I'm not sure exactly when the next episode will be arrive, will arrive or what exactly it will be about. But I will let you guys know when it comes up next, hopefully soon. I hope that you're all doing well and hope you guys have a great uh, end to 2021 and a great beginning to 2022. Bye. Now this is podcast. Racing.